0: Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane and the goal of this podcast is to encourage people to live better, do better, be better in their life on a daily basis. One thing I really like about this podcast is that I am able to bring you guests that you may not even know that you needed to listen to so we bring different people on that can tell you about different ways that they've healed or different things that they've gone through different things that you can do in your life to help yourself and today my guest encompasses all those things she has taken her own health by the reins and uh, actually a really inspirational story so please welcome jamie hasby into the fast lane with me today hi jamie Hello, how are you? I'm well. I'm so happy that you're here. So you. Jamie and I have met a handful of times in person, but I know her more so through um, one of my friends. She's related to one of my friends. And so I know about Jamie's health journey, but today we're really going to dive into um, dive into it a little deeper. So first of all, Jamie, let's start with what did you used to do um, in life? what happened and how did we get here? Okay, so what did you, where did you start off here with life? Were you
1: raised really holistically and naturally? How did, How were you raised? I was absolutely not raised naturally and holistically. So my childhood was basically strep throat, ear infections, going to the doctor a lot. Um, anytime there was a little sniffle or sneeze, I was on antibiotics. My mom would take me to the doctor and I was on antibiotics. So that's, that's pretty much how I grew up. And I think that most people do what they know, you Mm -hmm. know, um, at that point in my life and at that point in my parents' life, what, what they knew was if there was a problem, you went to the doctor Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: that was basically it, end of story. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because that that is something that a lot of people do do. And for me, that all changed basically because it stopped working. Um, now, a little bit of background about me. Um, I, I did Western medicine in the hospital. Now, not as a physician, I was, um, I graduated from San Diego State University in 2006 with my bachelor's of science in nursing. And I did work in a hospital, as a labor and delivery nurse for 13 years. I used Western medicine for 13 years to help people heal. And it was really, I had a lot of conflict in my journey as I was being diagnosed with all these things because Western medicine was failing me. It wasn't, it wasn't helping. And basically I ended up moving to different ways to healing myself because simply put is because they, they worked and it was really, I I had a really hard time when doctors just kept saying to me, you know, your issue is autoimmune or your issue is an allergic response or your issue is, you know, basically my body failing me and there was nothing they can do about it. Or the best diagnosis is, yeah, this is happening, but we don't know why. And eventually you get to a point to where you're just like, well, what is it that you do here, doctor? You know, (laughs) you, you can't help me. (laughs) Everything you give me doesn't work. And it makes me feel like garbage. So I don't use it. And it was, it was very, very frustrating. And I would say my childhood, mostly I was very healthy, except for, you know, ear infections, death throat that for some reason, those things plagued me. But otherwise, I was a healthy child, and then I got into my young adulthood, and, and I just wasn't, and it all started in college. It all started in college when I had a lot of stress. Um, I got diagnosed with myonucleosis, and from there, there forward, my health just went downhill. I like that you mentioned stress because people
0: often do not give stress or mental health. The I'm going to say credit that it deserves because stress will take a toll on your health. Remember Jamie and I both, um, I do believe I can speak for Jamie when I say this, we will never encourage you to stop taking your medication. We will never encourage you not to see your doctor. However, in certain cases, if you're not getting anywhere and I see a lot of patients, I think Jamie can relate to this as well. Um, they're told you're fine. Your blood work is fine. All the panels are fine. There's nothing wrong. The patient's sitting in my office crying, saying I know something's wrong, but you know sometimes you need to have some of that bigger stuff ruled out But our goal here is to remind you that there are other options for you when you feel like you've hit a wall. There are other options for your health. So don't feel like you are alone or that no one can help because obviously that's where you were.
1: Right. And, you know, and and the way I look at it is the way I look at it is this, you know, you're right. Those, those big things do need to be ruled out. And, you know, I think about it like this. If your house is on fire due to faulty electrical wiring. Who are you gonna call? Your house is on fire. Who are you gonna call? You're gonna call the fire department because you don't want your house to burn down, right? You're not gonna call the electrician and have them come in and fix the faulty wiring. You're, you're gonna call the fire department. And when there's a true emergency and there's something really big happening and you might get dead, you need to go to the hospital like you need to get your life saved that they they do a really good job at that great analogy but the the electrician is nowhere to be found at the hospital right (laughs) (laughs) and what happens is that people me i i got into this cycle to where my house kept burning down because the electrician was never brought in to fix the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, for real, let's get real. It, the, the, the real problem was never fixed. So things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And eventually, I mean, and, and I found relief in like diet change, like as, you know, I was being diagnosed with multiple different things, like. I had an issue with my bladder. They gave it a name called interstitial cystitis. I always felt like I had a bladder infection. I didn't, but I felt like I did. And I noticed that certain things that I would eat or certain things that I would drink would would make it worse. And so I stayed away from those things. Now, my doctor didn't tell me to stay away from those things. I just mm-hmm. found out by trial and error that if I stay away from these things, I I feel better. Now, the medication they gave me made me feel like garbage. So You know, that that was fun. And then I continued to take it though because the pain was so bad, but it didn't really help. It kind of dulled it a little bit, but it didn't really help. Um, That's just one example. You know, heart heart palpitations, um, they say I have a systolic murmur. They say I have um, premature atrial contractions. I get premature ventricular contractions when I exercise. Um, They say I have an irregular heartbeat. Okay, fine. Why? 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 Right? And you and don't have the body type. And yeah. I'm not stereotyping, but if you were to
0: see Jamie, she's always been a petite person, athletic. Like you are not sedentary, not a smoker, not a drinker, no, no. recreational drugs. So no. you know, sometimes you can you will see someone you're like, oh yeah, you know, oh he or she had a heart attack. Well, yeah, mm. they maybe don't look as healthy. Mm. Not mm. the case with you. You look no. Like it's it's not the
1: case. Right. But the house was burning on the inside and no one else. Yes. Could see it. Yes. And no one could see it. And and the thing, so like, I found out that if I drank caffeine, I would throw PVCs. Right. So I, I stayed away from caffeine. Um, as a very young adult, I, I realized that. Um, but yeah, no one, no one. And, and honestly, their response to that was, I I wasn't allowed to run anymore. I wasn't allowed to get my heart rate above 150 anymore because I would throw too many PVCs. So that was their their solution for that problem. But you know, it's like I, I go through life, I get pregnant and then I end up in the ICU. And why was I in the ICU? I was in the ICU because, well, first of all, my body just fell apart with pregnancy. And at the end of the day, I ended up getting myocarditis. Ended up getting myocarditis. They, they don't know why I got myocarditis. And, and that seems to be the thing that always would happen to me. Yeah, this this happened, but we don't know why, right? And I'm like, okay, great. So now I'm in the ICU because my blood pressure plummets, right? I'm 50s over 30s with, with my blood pressure. I was on anesthesia for three days. Um, and the story of how I got to that point is just, I'm not even going to go there. But My son was in the NICU because he was born six weeks early, so so we're separated, right? I I have a C-section, I'm in the ICU, my son's in the NICU, my husband was in Iraq, so he's getting Red Cross home, he flies in like 11 hours after our child was born, and he's going back and forth between the ICU and the NICU, you know, families flying into town to try to help out, and it's just this big hoopla, right? And it all started with, yes, this is happening, but don't worry about it. Okay, all right. And and you know, there's more things. There, there's more things, but ultimately what ended up happening to me, I mean, I was diagnosed with stomach issues. I mean the, the multiple colonoscopies, sigmoidoscopies that I went through. And and after four years of poking and prodding, they gave me this wonderful diagnosis of IBS. And I am started <laughs> laughing. I'm like, seriously, I could have told you my bowel brain. <laughs> like, right. that's, that's what we're going with. So, so yeah, you know, and, and I went through, you know, all the diet changes. I mean, every diet out there, I, I tried and and I went through my own testing. I uh, went through a lab called interolab.com that does testing that, you know, the hospital labs don't do to try to figure out what I was sensitive to, what I was allergic to. Um, I did NAET therapy to try to clear some of that stuff out. Um, but all on my own, right? This, this is stuff I've done on my own, not, not through the hand of my um, physician, just because they weren't helpful that it, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful that a doctor said to me, every time you're constipated, take, take this. And every time that you have diarrhea, take that, yeah. right? And, yeah. and like, so I'm constantly going back and forth, living in misery, taking these two different substances that aren't good for my insides. Already my insides are angry because of what I'm putting in my body, yet you want me to put more stuff that's gonna make it angry? It doesn't make any sense. So it was very frustrating. And then eventually after I had my second child, I got to a point to where this fire that was burning inside of me eventually reached my nervous system. And that was the most horrific event that happened because I ended up losing the use of my arms. I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't take care of my children. Um, I couldn't be a nurse, right? I had to quit my job. I lost my identity as like a mother and as a nurse and as a wife, and I just fell into this black hole. I was in a lot of pain, the um, nerve pain medications that are out there to help people um, are terrible. My neurologist was so frustrated because he's like, I know like everything I'm giving you is not going to help. He's like, these nerve pain medications just don't help with what you're going through. And this syndrome is called parsonage-turner syndrome. It's very rare. My personal neurologist had been neurologist for 12 years at the point. He's like, you're the fifth person I've diagnosed this with. I'm like, great. That's awesome. <laughs> I won a prize for feeling so horrible. <laughs> exactly. But I had paresis. Like, like the nerve issues were so bad, I couldn't move my arms. And so like my myelin sheath and my brachial plexus was being eaten away. And so my neck was affected, both my arms were affected all the way down to my fingers were, were affected. And getting out of this black hole was not through the wonders of uh, Western medicine. And, and in fact, I coined my um, neurologist with being the one who introduced me to integrative medicine. And then furthermore, um, With integrative medicine, I found a functional medicine doctor that was extremely helpful because they addressed the gut and stress and toxins and mold issues, which which was all very helpful. Um, I saw a naturopathic doctor um, and what was also a lot of help was the Ayurvedic practitioner that I went to go see. Um, That really just helped to calm down my nervous system. Um, To recover, I did acupuncture and physical therapy and aromatherapy. I started seeing a psychologist at this point because I was depressed and I had anxiety. I had undiagnosed PTSD. Um, But I eventually got better. And then I had my third child. And it came back. And when it came back after my third child, it was relapsing, remitting Parsonage-Turner syndrome. So I would go through it, I'd get well, and then it'd come back. And I'd go through it and I'd get well, and then it would come back. And this happened for six months, sorry, four and a half months, four and a half to five months. And then I was hospitalized because I, couldn't move my upper limbs again. I was starting to have issues with my lower limbs. Um, I was having respiratory issues. I was having cardiac issues. And the doctors couldn't figure out why. Your body was completely under attack. Yes, my body was completely under attack. My systems were shutting down. And they. And how old move. are your children at this point? Um, at this point, they were nine, four, and six months old no no sorry eight three
0: and six months old okay so a majority of the people who listen are women we do have some men I welcome everyone but when if you have children just stop and imagine having young children and not being able to use your arms having all of these health issues but yet ma and kudos to dads too Moms, you were um, the primary parent. Your husband had a very demanding job, correct? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here you are trying to take care of your home and your kids and yourself. Mm-hmm. And you
1: simply really could not do it. No, I couldn't do it. Actually, my, my husband couldn't even do his job. My husband was military. He just retired. Hallelujah um, for that. Um, but yeah, he had. they had to actually take him out of his unit and put him in an office where he literally didn't have to do any work because he couldn't come to work because he was trying to deal with the chaos that was at home. And, and they were pulling out all the bells and whistles at the hospital. I mean, at this point I was taking IVIG, which is intravenous immunoglobulins because their theory was, they were wrong. But their theory was that my body was attacking itself, right? I mean, that's what they like to say when they don't know your body is attacking itself. It's your body's fault. It's your fault. You're the problem. Great. That makes you feel wonderful. Like you're allergic to yourself. (laughs) Right. Um, And so what they do with this IVIG is they put these immunoglobulins in your system to trick your system to fight it instead of you. Okay, that's, that, that's the plan there. Um, okay, first of all, I, I don't believe in autoimmune. I don't believe that your body attacks itself. I believe that pathogens attack you, but I don't believe that your body attacks you. Um, I believe that all the things that we have that are autoimmune, I think are caused by pathogens. That That's my own personal thought. That's thought based on things that I've read, things that I've seen, things that have healed me, things that have healed people around me. Um, so, so that's that, but they were giving me all these tests and eventually they put me through a PET scan, right? I mean, they're testing me for everything. So now we're testing for cancer. Okay, fine. So they give you this medication through an IV and a PET scan called gadolinamine. and it lights your insides up through radiology so that they can see everything, right? And five minutes after I had the gadolinium, my body started convulsing. And they didn't know why. That's, that, that's what everything is, right? They do not know why. So I had this convulsion. It lasted 30 minutes. They ended up giving me Ativan. I had cardiac pain. So they gave me morphine. And then it went away. And then it came back. It happened again. And then it went away. And then it came back. It happened again. So this Happened for nine days. I had six to seven convulsions lasting about thirty minutes for nine days. My heart rate would get above two hundred. My oxygen saturation would fall into the eighties. Everybody would freak out, and they didn't know why this was happening. Um, they were trying to diagnose me. So the neuro, the the neuro- the neurologist. There was a team of them. There were about six six or seven members of this team, and they were trying to diagnose me with fifth man syndrome at this point. And they couldn't agree that the neurologist couldn't agree on the diagnosis. You know, one was saying, yes, this has to be it. And the other, the other ones were like, no, she doesn't have everything. Like, no, that's not it. And so they, they weren't in agreement. Also at this point, I had electrodes attached to my head, right? Because they're wondering what's happening with my brain activity. And I'm unconscious. I have no memory these nine days, I have no memory. And, and prior um, to
0: that, you did like, you were awake and you knew what was going on. You
1: were prior to that. I was awake. I knew what was going on. And we're about six weeks into being in and out of the hospital. And, um, so in and out of the hospital for this two month period. So I wake up at a different hospital. They transferred me from a hospital called Scripps Memorial Hospital in La Jolla. It's in San Diego County to this research hospital called UCSD Medical Center. And I woke up in the neuro ICU with people staring at me and (laughs) they tell me all of this is stress. And I really didn't know how to take that. Like I really did not know how to take that. And the top neurologist said, um, this is not stiff man syndrome, take her off all of her medications. And she was right. It was not stiff man syndrome. She took me off all of my medications that they had me on to try to control my convulsions. And I resurrected, you know, I I came back. Um, I felt much better. My my pain was going away. They took me off everything. And and I started feeling pretty good. So what was happening, right? At the end of the day, it's like, what in God's name was happening? I ran into this um, psychiatrist on the unit and he told me, he he truly believed, if you go get your trauma addressed, because I had trauma from childhood. I had trauma from young adulthood, from my husband's deployments. um, He said, if you get all your trauma addressed, all these things will go away. You'll be normal. And I was like, you know what? I I mean, whether you're right or wrong at this point, I'll do anything. So I put myself into an intensive outpatient program at a place called Sharp Mesa Vista. It was outpatient. It was four days a week. And for three hours a day, four days a week, I worked on getting my trauma resolved for three months. I went to this program for three months. As. I went through the program, my nerve symptoms definitely got better. When I ended the program, I felt better, but I was not all the way healed. I was definitely not a hundred percent. I ended up going to um, this integrative medical center and they ended up um, doing other things with me. They ended up having me eat certain foods, they ended up having me take certain supplements, that's where I did my NAET therapy. And I got even better after I went there. Um, And then at this point, I was probably about 75% well. Um, My youngest daughter was probably about two years old. And then eventually I ran across the medical medium book written by a guy named Anthony, Anthony Williams. And I read his book and it spoke to me. Like the things that he said in that book, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. This makes so much sense. So I started doing his healing protocols and I would venture to say that I'm about 95% now. And I wouldn't have been there without that last kick. But if you think about what he says and... And, and he truly feels that, you know, when chronic disease hits your nervous system, it's, it's from a virus or a pathogen. For me, particularly, I truly believe that mine was caused by the Epstein bar virus. And um, at the end of the day, the Epstein bar virus wants to attack your, your nervous system, they want to eat your myelin sheath, it's, it's good food for them. And when you have a strain that does that, and no one knows how to fix it, it's, it's very, very it's a very, very sad place to be, a very painful, sad place to be. But with what he said in his book and, and what functional medicine does to address healing, it all makes sense, because if you think about it, the Epstein-Bar virus and, and other viruses that are out there, these type of viruses, they hide in your DNA. And this is something that, that we know in Western medicine. I mean, you take basic molecular biology and and you get taught that certain viruses hide in your DNA. A very common one is herpes simplex virus. It hides in your DNA until your body's not happy for whatever reason and then you get an outbreak. You know, whether it be a sunburn or you're under a lot of stress or whatever, the virus gets all the jiggity and it leaves the DNA and lyses the cell, makes it explode, gets rid of it, and it goes and tries to find a new home. It travels to a new home. Um, that's just how these viruses work. And the Epstein-Barr virus works the same way. Well, the Epstein-Barr virus, it, it starts dormant. And then when you get diagnosed with mono, it's in your bloodstream, right? And then it goes to your liver and it hangs out there until your body's not happy. And then it goes to your thyroid and it hangs out there until your body's not happy. And then it hangs out in your lymph and then it goes into your nervous system. And if you are under a lot of stress and you are, a person who has trauma, your body is gonna be constantly going through turmoil and this this virus is going to just wreak havoc on your system, right? Until eventually it gets into your nervous system and causes havoc there. And if nobody addresses it, if nobody stops it, then it's gonna continue to wreak havoc on your system. So was my body attacking itself? No, it wasn't attacking itself. It was trying to attack this virus. Right. But the steroids that I was given when I had Parsonage Turner syndrome, all that did was turn off my immune system and allowed this virus to get worse. It took care of the symptom. It did not treat the cause. Exactly. So, so the inflammation, my, my immune system was causing in, in an attempt to fight this virus. Okay. That went away. Like those symptoms went away, but the virus was still there. It was just Doing, doing its work without anybody attacking it because my immune system was turned off. So when Parsonage-Turner syndrome came back after my daughter was born, my, my last child, it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And now I know how to control this virus. I know how to turn it off. I mean, basically stress, the reason why stress is so huge is because if you keep your body happy, If you're not stressed out, this virus is just going to stay in your DNA and, and it's not going to mess with you. It's not going to cause any issues. That's why, that's why stress management works. That's why it works for chronic disease. And who's not stressed right now? Right. exactly. everyone has some type of stress.
0: And I was discussing this with a patient and it is very sad how, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to take for people, some people to realize mental health is a real thing, right? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're crazy. It means that you just really need some help, but also people love to be busy. And I don't know if maybe I like to say people like to wear this badge of how busy they are. We all mm-hmm. in our own lives are busy, but to what extent until our
1: body just breaks down? Yeah. Well, and in, in the, <sighs> Our culture has really yeah. done that to us, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, all, it's all about what we see. Um, you What you see on TV, it's all about what you see on TV, what you see on social media, what you hear on the radio. It, you know, what are people doing? What are people accomplishing, right? And, and, and you see these people doing, you know, 12 different things and having to wear 12 different hats and, oh, look how great and how successful and how, whatever. And then you feel the need to do those things. And well, no, 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 (laughs) we're all different. We're all different, right? Sometimes at the end of the day, as long as your house doesn't burn down, that's good enough, right? You, You don't have to do all the 12 things that you think you have to do. And I feel like even with me, I had this constant voice in my head saying, no, that's not enough. No, that's not enough. No, that's not enough. I need to do more, 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 more. And I would do more until I would break. And I would recover. And then I would do more, 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 more until I would break. And I think a lot of people operate that way. I mean, just look at women today. You know, we're supposed to be, you know, great moms and a great, great housewife and we're supposed to have the career. And, you know, it's just like, I, I'm not three different people, right you know? Um, the friend that you and I both know and love, her mom one day took me, to, took me aside and told me that when she was little, she grew up on a farm. And on this farm, there were like five different families and they all helped each other. They helped each other with with the meals. They helped, you know, each other with teaching the children. They helped each other with cleaning the houses and getting all the laundry done. They they all helped each other. And she told me as I was in the middle of like this crisis in in my life. My my oldest was two at the time, and I was in North Dakota, and you know just you know trying to get some help. And 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 in the moment, I was like how is this helpful to me? I live in San Diego. Diego. (laughs) We have no farms. (laughs) Knock on 10 doors before someone would even answer a door, right? But really what she was just trying to tell me was they shared the load. And although sharing the load here in San Diego isn't quite like how it was when she grew up, all she was trying to do was tell me that, get some help, right? You don't need to clean your house. Have somebody do that for you, right? Right. Take a break. Have somebody watch your kids. You know, maybe, maybe you order through Instacart or Amazon more often so you don't have to run all those errands. Right. Um, you know, your house doesn't have to be perfect. Maybe just pick it up. And if the laundry doesn't get folded and put away, at least it's clean, leave it in the basket. You know, Um, that's all she was trying to tell me to do. But but yeah, all these hats that we try to wear today as women um, break us down. It's too much, the stress is too much. And if you look at chronic disease, chronic illness, cancer, uh, neurological issues, by far and large women win when it comes to having it more. Yeah. By far and large, it's the women who have that type of suffering,
0: you know, because it's difficult because as a woman, sometimes some people will judge you if you're not successful enough in their eyes, in your work, or you'll get judged that you're not a good enough mom because you're not at all the Mm -hmm. games you're working. You literally Mm -hmm. can't win. Like if you're at work all the time and you're trying to be successful, or you're this mom who just has to work all the time and you can't attend your kids things. So Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to find a balance. It's funny to me how much other people care about what other people are doing, you know, (laughs) and how Mm -hmm. they have time to judge those things. But you literally, Mm -hmm. you do, you hear it all the time. And I'm always thinking, I've gotten to the point now where I'll say, but how does that affect you? Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually affect anyone else. But sometimes maybe we see other people and think, well, I should be more successful or I should be a better mom. So instead let's point out, well, they work all the time, but I'm always at the games. It doesn't matter. You have to figure out what works best for you. And Jamie didn't downplay anything that she said, but I remember, um, I mean, it was like the family member side of it was extremely stressful. You're out for nine days Is she waking up when she Mm -hmm. wakes up? Is she going to be able to use her arms? Is she going to be able to come Mm -hmm. home? Is she going to always be in a hospital bed? I mean, there Mm -hmm. was, there was a lot of, and I'm not saying, oh, your poor family while you're, no, I am saying your poor family because they have no idea what's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. And the doctors are like, well, I don't, yeah. I mean, who knows what's going on? So that all the family members are seeing you completely debilitated. We have no answers. And I love that you just grabbed your health by the reins and you did all these different modalities. I tell people all the time, you should never have one provider. If you have one provider, that is no good. You need a team of people to help you. Yes. In all different areas, you talked about acupuncture, and you talked about physical therapy, and you had naturopath, and you had NAET. Yes, you might have a primary care doctor. You might have an um, energy healer. You might have a chiropractor. I mean, there's so many different things that you can have, so don't feel like you're high-maintenance because everyone has a different specialty, and we are all very complex people. Look at all the specialists there are, heart, kidney, lung. I mean, they're specialists for everything.
1: Right. Right. Well, and at the end of the day, I mean, I think the takeaway from all of this is there's more than one way to do things. Yeah. There's, we're all different and we're all going to respond in different ways. And I mean, you talk to somebody who does body talk, for example, one person might think that you're a genius and another person might think that you're an absolute crazy person. Right. Mm-hmm. But if, if that works for you, then then do that. And I just did a um, body
0: talk uh, podcast with my friend Kylene. So if you haven't mm-hmm. listened to that, uh, listen to that and see what that can help people with.
1: Yeah, that it's it's very healing. I have a session done every Thursday. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and and this is a person who studied the human body and science for five years in college, right? And, and the great thing about body talk, it was, it was actually created by a medical doctor. And, and to, to be quite honest, a lot of these different alternative therapies come from scientific backgrounds. It's just whether or not modern science recognizes it, right? So, so th- these different modalities of healing, it's not like someone just decided to do this one day. Right, he, all of these different modalities of healing are all very scientific and in, in different ways, and, and a lot of them, like Ayurvedic medicine, that's been around for two thousand years. I mean, there's there's tons of research about how that type of healing has helped people, but but coming back to that that thing about the pathogens, like like it all makes sense. It makes sense that if you calm down your nervous system and you, you eat the right foods, and you, you basically put that bug to bed, then it's not going to wreak havoc on your system. Now, the ultimate goal is to get rid of it, right? So that's, that's another fun topic, because I feel like Western medicine can do loads with that. It's just whether or not it's um, is going to make them money? Probably not. So they're probably not going to do anything with it, but there are ways to kill those bugs. And at the end of the day, um, celery juice is what kills it. So that's, I drink it every morning. I drink it every afternoon and I feel great. <laughs> it has to be fresh. It has to be on an empty stomach. Um, you can't mix it with anything. It, it'll, um, the chemical compound that's created when the, it, it's suspended in the celery juice. If it gets mixed with like, ice or water or lemon juice or anything it it goes away um but you you so you have to have it fresh you have to have it on an empty stomach um and you have to drink at least 16 ounces i drink 32 um but that's all from that medical medium book and i have no stock with that guy like it (laughs) it works when something works i use it and and for me the reason why i went to the type of healing that i do now is because because it works and I I did decide to not go back to work. I did decide to further my education. I, um, next month I'm applying to um, medical school school to become a naturopathic doctor. Um, There is a program there that also allows me to get my master's of counseling psychology so I can help people with trauma. Um, But that's my next journey because I really feel like this stuff works. I really feel like, you know, Western medicine's great but there's cracks. There's cracks and people fall through them all the time. Two thirds of the population have chronic illness and medical school does nothing to teach doctors about how to help with chronic illness. It does nothing. And and I only know this because I have a lot of friends who are physicians. I know people who are going through medical school right now and it just, they don't teach about that.
0: I love, um, I don't love what you went through but I love how you took um, control of everything. And in respect of your time, um, I told you 30 minutes, I'm pushing it at this point, but I want you, uh, if someone is listening and they've just been struggling with a health issue for a while, and they maybe feel down and out, what would be your encouraging words for them?
1: First of all, you're not alone. So many people are in your shoes. Secondly, There are people out there in your community that can help you. I would look up an integrative medicine doctor, a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor in your area, and that is a great start. In addition, another great start would be to pick up the medical medium book because sometimes it takes being in a really dark place to be open-minded to other ways of healing. And if you are in a place where you will do anything, pick up that medical medium book. The new and revised edition does cover COVID as well. And what is in that book is, it's pure gold. Any health practitioner that I know who has read that book, they they use it, they use it to kill themselves, their family members, people they know, because there's a lot of good insight in there. And um, Anthony William has helped thousands of doctors around the world crack medical cases that they could not figure out. And 100% of the time, Anthony has always been correct. And there's a reason for that. And if you read the book, you'll understand what I mean. That's wild. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast.
0: If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback. So ratings and reviews are appreciated.